up, roll up, roll up, it's the roll up, roll up, roll up, it's the Welcome back to the Roll Up Golf Podcast, the amateur podcast by amateur golfers. You've got Toby Alodi, and we also have Michael Tilcock. Today we've got a brilliant agenda for one particular reason. We are going to do a question of the week, which is how to make a golf trip exciting. And we've also got a topic of the week about not choking during the round of your life. And before we get to all of that, Michael, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you, Toby. I've had a good couple of weeks. I've been full throttle working on golf club list again, post honeymoon, post the literal honeymoon period. Um, Mm. And I played a nice round of golf at Dulwich and Sydenham in Southwest London, which is good fun. Shot a cheeky six over 74. So I was very happy with that. Other than that, not been playing as much golf as I would have liked. I've been doing a bit more work and trying to really focus on trying to get the website live as a proof of concept in the next couple of months what about you well my week has been magnificent which we're we're going to talk about (laughs) in a in a bit but um but yes i won't i won't give anything away on on that front let's tell you what let's dive straight into question of the week because uh, i'm most excited about our upcoming weekend for our inaugural snowflakes golf tour um, and you, you've come up with a wonderful format for it, which I've never seen before on, on a lot of the lads trips I've been on. So want to give our, our listeners of, of all, uh, golfing types, uh, ideas on how to make a golf trip exciting, particularly in a, in quite a short format where we've only got three days. So, so, so Michael, the, the man who came up with all of the ideas for this weekend, tell, tell us some of your top tips. So the buddies golf trip. It's possibly the best weekend slash week of the year when you get all the lads or ladies or lads and ladies, but mostly lads together and you go away, you get some accommodation and you play some golf on courses you've never played before. But how do you make it that extra bit exciting? Well, I've got some tips for you. We have an eight man golf trip. So we're doing our three rounds in Brighton this weekend. And as you might expect, we're going to have a three-day cumulative Stableford competition to give everyone a chance of winning, which is where you get points depending on how you score in the holes and add them up at the end. We're also doing a team competition, team match play in conjunction with that, with team captains, etc. But the problem with the three-day Stableford can be that if you have a bad first round or maybe a bad first 27 holes, you can kind of be out of the competition. You've chucked 20 quid and you've got no realistic chance of winning anything in the prizes. So we are going to be implementing a fine system. And I'll go through a, a very, few of those a very fines intricate. now. And one of the key facets of the fine... I have been called a pedant before. <laughs> but obviously, the, the, the rules for the golf tour may be a thousand words long. Um, but I'm sure they'll be very fun in practice. And I liked Ollie's suggestion of fining everyone an extra five pounds if they can't name all of the fines. That was, that was spot on. But anyway, so one key facet is that everyone puts in 20 pounds. The winner of the three-day stable gets 80, second gets 40, third gets 20, get your money back. But we also have some wristbands in play, literal wristbands. And each player in the four ball starts with a wristband at the beginning of the round. 
And every time a golfing infraction occurs that is represented by the wristband, such as having a three putt, losing a golf ball, going in a hazard, going in a bunker, they, the person who has that wristband on at the time passes it to the new owner of the wristband who committed that infraction. Whoever is wearing the wristbands at the end of the round must pay a fine of £2.50 that goes into the winning Stableford pot. So you might be having the absolute shocker of a lifetime, but you could find yourself on the 18th hole knowing that if you lose a drive, hit it in the hazard, go in a bunker and three putt, you're going to be down £10 at the end of that hole potentially. So it keeps a certain level of jeopardy and interest in right until the very end of each round. Yeah. There are yep. also... I mean, that, that's also- just to just to jump in, I think that's that's where on previous golf trips for me it has become fairly fairly stale for particularly for actually not not me specifically but for other players who are really low handicaps, and so they get trounced on Stableford by by anyone who comes in at something above a ten or a fourteen or whatever, and and you just look you just look at them through the end of a round and they're just kind of like like enjoying the enjoying the banter enjoying playing on really good golf courses blah 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 but they're just like. Pfft. Don't, don't really care. Yeah, exactly. So it's all about trying to keep, um, keep people interested. We have a few taxes as well. So in excess <laughs> of our wristband infractions, we have taxes. And my favorite one ever is bandit tax. Um, one that you'll be very, very familiar with if, if this tax had been implemented <laughs> in any of your previous rounds. Um, any player scoring a four or more pointer on a hole and this is per four-pointer in a round. It's a one-pound fine. A loady tax named after my very own podcast co-host. Any player scoring 41 or more points during a round. Late tax, missing a tea time. Ladies tax, failing to clear the ladies' tea. Oliver tax, any player missing a round to watch the football, as one of our group is potentially going to watch Spurs on Sunday instead of playing round three. Forgetful tax, leaving a club on a prior hole. And one tax knocking a ball off the tee accidentally. All those taxes incur a £1 fine, payable at the end of each round, into the bank, which will go to the winner. Brilliant. Brilliant. So in summary, that is how you make a golf trip format more interesting, <laughs> more exciting. You need more rules, basically. Yeah, <laughs> which, you, which obviously you would say would be the case after that extensive, uh, extensive rule book that you'll be handing out. But I think the... What do you, so a couple of questions because I always like making predictions ahead of ahead of big events. Uh, what do you and I'll I'll give you my estimates. What do you think the winning Stableford score would be? I, I know that's condition dependent for for weather and such. And also, what do you think the final prize money, the the fine pot, would actually get to? Well, you're guaranteed. The, the wristbands are worth £2.50, so you're guaranteed an extra 30 because it's £10 around in wristbands. So that's going to get up to 110 at minimum. There's yeah. bound to be, I don't know, 10 four-pointers across eight people. So that's mm. another, what, 120? Plus a smattering of other taxes. I'm going to say 140-ish. Wow. Wow, that's big time. Bring some shrapnel, lads. Bring some shrapnel. Yeah. Oh, actually, that's the worst part, is that you're going to be walking off with bloody pound bags. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But you almost I don't want to win about, it. 
I thought about bringing in a tax for anyone who didn't bring shrapnel, but that felt like slightly excessive. Very draconian. Um, okay, so I, that sounds – I can go with that. About 140 price pot. What about winning score across three courses we've never seen before, yeah? I think level will be tough to beat. Mm, that's level what I was thinking. was 90, 108. Yeah. I was around somewhere. My, my gut was about a 96 or a 95, just because if it's going to – it looks fairly windy, and that's – that for me is still a bloody good score on three completely different golf. If we were yeah. playing the same golf course over and over again, might be a bit better. Mm. But I reckon, I reckon like a ninety-five will do it. There's only eight of us, so I think if you're hitting three figures, you've got a good chance of winning hundred. Because yeah. thirty-three, thirty-three, thirty-three is ninety-nine. That would be a pretty good score on average. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. We can uh, recap that in the in the yeah. next pod. Absolutely, and also because we've got drinking happening on Friday and Saturday, that all. That'll dim some, <laughs> dim some potential, I think. We'll see who the real see who the real golfers are if you can play hungover. <laughs> the ones just teetotal before the round. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, excellent. Well, I think there are some top tips for organizing fun within your next golf trip, everybody. Um, anything else on that before we move on to my most favorite topic of the week we've ever recorded in podcast history? Don't think so. I think I think I need to int- introduce it this week for a very special reason. Um, and obviously, you kept quite quiet during the "How are you?" section. But our topic of the week this week is not choking during the round of your life. Now, the context for this is that on Saturday, Toby Alodi, my very own co-host, shot a sixty-eight one under par at, at our home golf club, Wanstead. Now, just to give you a bit of a flavor as to how ridiculous that is, a week ago, he shot 80. Two weeks ago, as you will know, if you listen to our Break 100 podcast, he shot 104, which means that in two weeks, he has dropped 36 shots between those those rounds. His best ever round at one stood is 76, so that's an eight-shot cut. And his goal for this season, as we went through in the goals podcast, is to break 75, or one of his goals. That has seen his handicap cut from 9.1, already a bandit at 9.1, to a much more respectable (laughs) 6.6. That is one hell of a cut. So, Toby, I've just got one question for you. What the fuck happened? (laughs) Uh, Well, look, I, I... to try not to bore everybody with with the bar story of how I how I hit every single shot, uh, I will I will do it in three six hole runs because because that'll that'll move us on a bit faster. So uh, for the first six holes, it was a pretty average round. So I I basically got through the what are considered the most difficult holes at Wanstead, uh, four over par. My the second hole was a treble where I hit a I smoked a drive out out of bounds down the left, made seven there, made a bogey on the on uh, is it index one I think it is the, the yeah, index one, um, made a bogey there and came out of the came out of the fifth hole uh, four over part the part the six all all fairly normal stuff get onto the tee at seven which is our par five hit a decent drive into the fairway. lovely it so stood in the middle of the fairway two thirty out and then probably it was the shot of the round. Uh, was a was a three hybrid into the green 
uh, probably 12 feet pin high, um, giving me an eagle chance. Never eagled that hole before. And I really? went, yeah, never, hold, never hold an eagle on there before. And so had about, yeah, 12 foot, I think I said, and then yeah, rolled that was never leaving that putt short in a million years. I witnessed a very obnoxious celebration after that eagle. I believe there was some <laughs> arm flapping going on. The big bird. Possibly the big some bird, bird deserves some some bird noises. Kaka. Yeah. Well, one of my playing partners did turn around to me and say, "I think that's possibly the campest thing you've ever done." But <laughs> hey, it, it, you have some to... competition for that. <laughs> and when the big bird comes out, you've got to show it some respect. So. Um, so that, so first six holes, all very standard. The next six hole, six hole start with an absolute rocket of, uh, of an Eagle. And then, uh, when you were stood on the 10th green, I topped my drive on the eighth to about, about a hundred yards or a hundred, exactly. I was like, and, and again, same person who said the previous thing was the campus thing I'd ever done. They said, well, that's an ego check. If ever you needed one, <laughs> I've, I play with really supportive members of the Hornstead <laughs> Golf Club. Uh, I then fairly, uh, fairly brilliantly make par from a top to drive, uh, get up and first up and down of the day at um, at eight, and then get through the get through the par three, the ninth, fairly fairly standard. So, so get to the turn two over, feeling like that's the best. If you if you break forty generally round our front nine with a par 36, you're, you're feeling pretty good about yourself for our standard. And then, then basically through the next four holes or uh, three holes, I should say, I make a birdie on the 10th, which was a really nice part. Someone, one of the people I was playing with gave me the line. I followed that line straight in lovely, make a decent par on 11 and then come up to 12. I pull, I basically hit a nice drive into the middle of the fairway, pull a wedge a little left and I get that boost off of the, off of the right hat of the left hand kind of hill. If this is not nice. the bar story, Toby, I dread <laughs> to know how long the bar story would take. Some Sorry. in, in okay, podcast so feedback. In, that's very good. And it's useful. Just tell me to hurry up next time. So I get on to 12 <laughs> mate. And I, and I'm four, four or five feet birdie, right? Then we get, then we get basically onto the, the closing six holes, which is effectively the hardest holes on the, the first sort of middle three of those are the hardest on the golf course. So 14, 15, 16, I managed to get through those with decent strikes, get onto 18 Piper drive. And then I end up with a eight footer for birdie from a nice chip in. And I, uh, yeah. And that was it. I had an eight footer for birdie, never leaving that one short either banged it in the back of the hole 68. What can I say? It was it was next ecstasy, level. massive fist pump, big hollering and hooting on the on the green from me. Very gentlemanly handshakes <laughs> from my playing partners, and it was that was it. It was the sixty eight in the books, best round ever by by like you said, eight shots, and beat my handicap by eleven. <laughs> Forty seven points. Forty seven um, points. Yep, so, I was the so darling I, of the clubhouse. I saw you come in because I played a little bit earlier, so. Uh, one of your playing partners came in and said, Toby shot one under. And I'm like, what, Toby a lady? Uh, <laughs> and I saw you eventually, I don't know what you've been doing, probably splashing your face with cold water or something, but you you came through and you looked 
shell-shocked. You looked like you'd had some really bad news or something, but I'm assuming <laughs> that was just the adrenaline leaving your body. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I stood up and shook your hand because that is an unbelievable achievement. That is I think level. I think shock. I think shock is a really good, really good word for it because <laughs> I... I genuinely i i was sat at the table for a bit just in complete complete shock i just kept looking at the card and then <laughs> i then filled in obviously i then obviously filled in two copies of the card so one i could submit in for the handicap and then the other one that's pinned to my whiteboard just here and i yeah i was i was in disbelief total disbelief so what i want to ask I mean, it's mm. fair to say it's probably it was uncharted territory for you because you probably hadn't 100%. had that had that lower around going. So, back to our kind of topic of the week: um, not choking during the round of your life. What, in terms of the mental side of the game, what were some of the challenges that you had to mm. kind of go yeah. through? Yeah, and I think uh, I think it all started after the the mental challenge wise. All started after the twelfth because. Walking off the 12th, both the, the person who was keeping the card and keeping my ego in check, uh, and also, well, there's two partners there. One who was keeping the card basically turned around to me and said, do you know you're now level par? <laughs> Which I'd never, like, never in my life have I been level par through 12 holes ever. So, um, and then also one of the other playing partner was also level par through 12. And we were playing them in a four ball, better ball. And I think by the end, we were 15 better. <laughs> as a four ball better ball score um and so at that point it's then right you, you've got like i said you've i think you've got some of the most difficult holes to navigate because you've got three par threes and a, and a long par four and so i think part of that was levity it was quite funny to be to still be being kind of wound up by your playing partner so it kept it fairly calm and and fun and then also I think on the playing partner side, having the one of the guys next to me playing as good a golf as, as he was also gave you something to kind of to sort of tack on to. I, I do think it's really hard to play not, really not good golf when three people normalize it. Yeah. Yeah, normalize it and also you don't have you're not kind of letting yourself just follow whatever some chopper is that you're playing with. I do think it's really hard to play great <laughs> golf alongside three people that are playing bad golf. You know? Yeah. Um I think that's fair. So yeah, so that was one element of it, um, which kind of helped and also kept me kept me honest. And then also, yeah, on the final green, he had to he had to say the other guy who was keeping score had to tell me that as I stood over the putt, this is to break par. <laughs> so <laughs> so that was helpful. Um, eight, and that was an eight footer for birdie, as I understand. Yes, which you drained. Yeah, correct. Which you drained. So it, on the on the point of playing partners making comments about your score during mm. the round. I mm. personally think it's bad golfing et etiquette to tell someone what they're scoring. <laughs> okay. Cause I, I, I consciously don't, I try not to think about my score as I go along because it's irrelevant mm. really. Yeah. In, th in theory, if I had a good mental game, I would just, you know, hit the next <laughs> shot, hit the next shot. Right. And just try and do my best yeah. on the next shot. In reality, it doesn't often work like that because you know, you've had a treble or whatever, but yeah. What, how do you feel yeah. about, Playing partners, sticking their oar in. I mean, I, <laughs> I, do you know what? The the score thing doesn't actually doesn't bother me at all because because I've got as much as I try not to keep score. Like you have, a, I I knew I was playing well, and and so I I find it more as a competitive edge. I like the idea that they're they're sort of trying to get in get in my head 
or give it a bit of like you're a bandit, blah, 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 blah. Like that kind of piques my competitive juices. It would be different if I'd find it more annoying if people are trying to give me like tech, I'm giving away my mental game here. Um, if people were trying <laughs> to give me like tech, technique, technique and tips and stuff on the golf course, that would wind me right up. And also mm -hmm. talk about their own technique and game. That annoys me. I think that winds everyone up. They're like in a competitive mm. round, for sure. Like, mm. I think that because it doesn't help. Is it? you can't you can't change stuff on the golf course. So unless no. you've got the ability to yeah. hit a few balls, there's no point. Okay, so yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't think we've necessarily um, exhausted the the mental side. Um, so yeah. one thing that stood out to me was you said you had backed off a couple of shots. Mm, and just yeah what was what was going through your head there which you wouldn't necessarily so, normally do i would say no so when yeah we've we've played together in the past and i've i've said to you that i'm actually really bad at uh getting that mental trigger where my brain is either distracted or it's calling something horrendous like shank into the back of my mind <laughs> and then and then being able to like step off the shot so so i had i had a really funky lie on 17 and i was maybe I was, I was sort of short-sided bunker in front of you when you're down the left of that with a quite a, not not tucked pin but quite close and i've got 58 degree in my hand because i have to um but i'm on like a weird so i'm not in the fairway quite so i'm on this weird like fluffy lie and i just put the club down next to it i did like a couple of practice swings put the club down next to it and i was about to go and i just felt my grip pressure go through the roof like just really bite down and I was like, okay, cool. And I just, at that point I was like, no, 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 you have to step off that. Cause it's, cause that's going in the car park, which is behind the, behind the thing. And so it was, it was really strange. I just, I knew the guys were kind of all sorting themselves out in terms of my playing partner. So I wasn't slowing them down at all, but there was just something there where it was like, that is, you are killing that ball. And so I stepped off, took one more practice swing and then stood in and hit without any more, any delay. And that was, that was it. I was 20, probably 25 foot behind the pin. But cleared the bunker, rattled the pin on the way back with the par with the par. Obviously, should have been in for a birdie. But but there was that one, and then and then also hit a really great drive down the down the 18th, and I was 50 yards. So these kind of awkward pitchy shots where where it is a lot of feel, and if you get tense in any part of your body, you can do massive damage. And, and again, with the wet I was just, grass. exactly. Yeah, you could either. I mean, best case scenario really is that you flub a bloody like chunk. But worst case scenario is you blade it, and then you're in real trouble. Mm. And that was it. I was again, same thing, stood over it, did a couple of practice swings and I was like, mm, just didn't stood up to the ball address, just didn't feel comfortable. And again, I was like, you've done it once. So let's just step off, got back in, hit the shot eight feet. And, I, and again, it just, it didn't slow the game down at all. And no one was making a big deal out of it. It was just nice to have the agency to, to do it, which I'll definitely mm -hmm. think everyone should do when they're, when they're trying to close out something like this. I think also like, even if you then had, flubbed it at least you knew that you took the mental steps to put yourself in the best position to hit the shot rather than being like bloody hell i should have stepped off a hundred percent hundred percent you can't do anything after that right once you've done done hit the flub and then you're like i should have stepped off like you've you've ruined and then and, then, and that spirals doesn't it like you then go i'm then angry and you, you've then got to try and bring your anger all the way back down from blaming yourself from for ruining a shot and potentially around so we're, we're kind of bleeding into what's going on in our heads here, but yeah. talk to me about the inner monologue. And you said a key point in the round was when uh, your playing partner said, Oh, you're level par on the 12th. So what happens in yeah. your head at that point? 
so the, there's then for our golf course at least quite a long delay from that 12 green to uh to hitting your next shot because of the, the poxy golf course so there's a bit of time to to sort of settle yourself down um but it was it was basically i, I sort of laughed at it what have you he didn't make any more big deal out of it or try and wind me up anymore played the 13th i wasn't really thinking about it then you've got a hard drive on 14 hit that really well and then it's a long walk so i'm then all my brain is doing the kind of uh, excited side of my brain is going, you're going to fucking break par. You're going to fucking break par or at worst, or at worst, you're going to break 75, but, <laughs> but you're definitely, but you're, but you're definitely going to at least, at least shoot par. And, uh, I genuinely had to, to control the other side of my brain to tell the, this side to go, look, you genuinely have got like two really difficult par threes to get through. Um, tee shots on the other holes are no joke. Like you need to get yourself focused on hitting this shot. And, and also I'm in the middle of the 14th fairway, the 14th green's not easy to hit. So you've got mm-hmm. to get yourself focused in on, on executing that. And then, and then I didn't execute as well as I could have done. I was short right above the bunker for a chip. And that's when my mental game went, you, that's what you got away with. You got away with that, not being in a wet bunker, making bogey or, or something, some crap lie. Like you, if you get this up and down, that's that's it. It's back on. Got it up and down, and then I, I kind of and after that that did, I, that did that kind of give you also the feeling that you kind of had the rub of the green slightly. Was that kind of a a nice warm feeling that you got away with one? Yeah, that definitely was. To to make that up and down, to make a par on that hole any round is great, but to to get that up and down from there was like was was just okay right you've you've really got to calm yourself down so then the walk up to all the other teasers then like all all i'm telling myself is like be calm you just got to be calm because <laughs> because this is because this is ridiculous and so i, I was genuinely what, what i will say right is I, I never stepped off of a tee shot which i was quite surprised by because they're they're different yeah, so those well. four holes yeah and so i had full confidence i, I was super loose I didn't. I didn't have any any concerns about striking the ball, and then, yeah, I I think I think when I knew I was really, I think I knew when I was really in, when the luck was really in, was the I basically thinned a little low groove on the sixteenth, and I was aimed down that fairway where the where there's no danger of water, and I was sort of short left when that mm-hmm. happened, and I was through sixteen. That was when my brain started to big, go. I big really water going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly relate to the fact that if I've got a good score going, my brain, it's like a banner of like negative thinking. It's kind of going through my brain and I'm just desperately trying to focus on the next shot, but it's so hard. Um, I, I find it particularly hard on short putts. I, I think I'm okay. okay like with the driver in my hands or like the, the bigger actions, but sh- short putts or like cute little chips, that's when I... I think those shots are the hardest to execute under pressure um, mm. and where the mental side is really important of like sticking to a routine or keeping loose or backing off. Yeah. Um, what's, what's your, what's your negative thoughts? Like my, my inner monologue was literally like, you're going to break par. I could hear my brain saying that to me. What's your, what's your brain saying to you? Well, this year it's been a lot around shanks oh, really? um, on, on the, I had a real period when I went on a Scotland trip and stuff where I'd go on the driving range and I'd hit like seven out of 10 shots would be shanks. And then I'd go on the course and it'd be a lot better, but I'd maybe hit one or two. So then 
ev- anytime anyone's standing on the left, like 45 degrees and they're in shank range, I'm thinking I'm going to hit them with a shank or that, that sort of thing was, and I kind of got over that now a bit. And even if I do hit the occasional one, which, you know, everyone does, um, I'm able to kind of brush it off because I'm not hitting them very often, um, because of some technical changes. But yeah, that was, that was a real yeah. negative thought I had at the moment. Uh, I used to have a real negative thought around pulling putts as well. So, so is that, is that the one that you, you get over the small putts, the, the short putts you're talking about where you get nervous is you're hearing like and then pull. I, and, and, and then I push them. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I have to like really try and, and I know when I've executed it well, like when I stand over it and I just execute and I get clear my mind of those thoughts. And often I'll just have th- thoughts about you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Like on a, mm-hmm. on a one foot putt and I'll, mm-hmm. and I will miss it quite a lot of the time. It will just go in the edge. Like, so yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a, a big challenge. I think for any golfer is to, to clear those negative thoughts out of your head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, certainly the, the biggest thing that I, that I managed to do on the day was, was proximity to the hole with, with putts. I was either, I was either there in kind of inches or it was, you know, two, it was two feet. I didn't, did not. And again, everyone has the round where they feel like everything clicks. Like this was my round where everything clicked like 110%, but I genuinely didn't have a part that was, um, that was longer than, than kind of two feet after having to strike a part. So it's an, an outrageous I mean, passing performance. That's so important because it, I think you can wear down your nerves cumulatively. So if you're not having to think about, you know, one and a half, two, three footers, because you're putting mm. nicely and you're lagging it well, that just gives you room to be more resilient on other shots. I think a hundred and that's so well put the, the point that when part of your game is starting to fail or is under pressure, you, you multiply, you spread all of the pressure you have onto the other parts of your game to pick them up is, is massive. Cause then I think a lot of where mentally I've gone wrong is, is I start trying to rely on putting as my way out and then, um, put loads of pressure on, on, either ramming putts in if it's at eight feet or 10 feet or um or just just basically rolling them past and it's a couple of feet or, or what have you and that and that feeds back into my approach play i just can't i then put loads of pressure on it so like you need to be within sort of six feet seven feet and it's like if you play like that you can't i've now realized if you play like that you've, you've got even less chance of trying to get that close to the hole yeah i mean i just sort of thought that i really worry for your next round Oh, because don't. you know when you know when in professional golf almost yeah. always yeah. when someone shoots 62 the next round they shoot like a 70 a level par or a one over it's almost yeah. uncanny so yeah. unless it's a real easy golf course so i mean friday should be interesting i don't know if that's your next round but it is yeah <laughs> with all with oh. all the chat as well from the lads i'm um, gonna get so 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 a prediction for the the weekend is is I will not be winning the, I've never ever had to play. I've never had to play with six or seven shots, whatever we're going to get, depending on the tees or what have you. Like I'm not winning the inaugural snowflake tour. <laughs> let's, let's say that I'm going out on Friday to get absolutely abused and, and also just try to get, get completely torn apart every time I hit a bad shot and also just try, try and not get as many fines as I can. That's all, that's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> 
sounds um, sound oh, the, approach. Yeah. Last last thing I'll, I'll say also on the mental side was um, I, I something that came to me as we we're talking through was I, I really externalized what I thought everyone else was going to get on the golf course. I, I genuinely thought when I'd come when I was going to come in because Barry was playing well, he was a couple over. I knew you were playing and Johnny and some of the other guys who had very decent single figure handicaps. I thought I was coming in and I was going to see a bunch of people shooting close to par as well, like 42s, 45s and that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that's why I was in shock when I was, when I got to the clubhouse, cause I was just mm -hmm. like, no, no, you, you genuinely have, I was sat next to people who I've admired as, and I still, <laughs> it's not past tense. I sit next to, players i really admire and i love playing with because they're because they're so good but they're like Not anymore. You know, I, was, I was talking <laughs> losers um, I was over par losers <laughs> um, and i was talking to one of the guys and his his like best he's a, a phenomenal golfer in his best round 69 and i'm like fuck and he played i kept thinking everyone else is playing different tees i was like people are playing I, I can't be doing this. I genuinely had this external feeling of like, no, no, this is this is nonsense. So, <laughs> yes, it, it's a it's an unbelievable round. But so you, you generally speaking, mental side, you managed to stay in the moment, controlled the inner monologue, even though you were getting some dicey thoughts. You managed to suppress them, um, stepped away when you needed to, and managed to get through the tough holes um, yes. without doing any damage. Got a couple of good up and downs. And hold a yeah. couple of nice putts. Now, in terms of the the cold hard data, in terms of uh, your game, I believe you hit fourteen mm. greens, which is exceptional. That's yep. kind of obviously it's they're not playing on one stud, but it's taught that's better than your tour pro average greens in re regulation, um, yep. which would be more like eleven twelve. You yep. had quite a healthy strokes game putting, very good compared to scratch, very good strokes gain driving. So you're piping the big stick on the, on the most part, even with one out of bounds, which shows how yeah. well you were hitting it, the rest of the holes. And then approach play was fairly, fairly neutral, uh, which we can't really work out quite why. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, basically the whole game came together. And in the last podcast, we talked about your playing lesson and is it worth getting <laughs> a playing lesson? Um, and you were kind of on the fence, um, now you've dropped 36 shots in in your round before the playing lesson and this your second round after the playing lesson so do you want to talk about maybe do you want to re-establish re your thoughts on playing lessons and maybe what what did you did think did make such a big difference oh oh funny Poor Dan. i um I've, I emailed Dan. I sent him. Uh, I sent him a pic. Obviously, I told everybody who would bother to listen what I managed to achieve. But I, I emailed Dan the scorecards, um, and and he. It was really interesting. He he just came back with like obviously very well done. But he also came back and said like what what clicked. He was trying to be very specific about, and and I, I sort of had to then break down what well, it's really hard when you when everything went as well as it did, but the but like genuinely the way I struck the ball. I, you've seen me strike play, have a good ball striking day. I think you would have been, yeah. I don't think I would have been able to do it in front of you because you would have been absolutely ripping me to shreds for how well I was striking the ball. <laughs> um, uh, but um, so, yeah, so the, the biggest there's thing. That, sorry, there's, about, a, there's, there's, yeah. there's another point in there around playing golf with your friends and mm. people who know your game really well. Like I've got a friend called Will um, and he has, 
he has a bit of an issue with like chipping. He like duffs and thins a lot of chips. But I think I get the impression that when he plays not with me or not with people who know about his chipping issues, he chips a lot better. Yeah. And I think right. it's a mental thing whereby, and it's not like he becomes Phil Mickelson, but I think he's <laughs> a lot more consistent. And I think it's sometimes when you know what the perception of you is in someone else's mind, I sometimes think this about putting because I think my family think I'm a terrible putter and I miss all my short putts. That's not actually factually accurate. But sometimes mm. when you think, maybe it's just me, I think what other people are thinking about me and sometimes I think that becomes self-fulfilling. So I hope yeah. I'm not a uh, negative factor in your golf, but maybe I am. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's, um, I think the, the, funny, the funny thing one of the guys said, who's a, a really, this is Barry, who, who basically was a couple over, um, and was very was phenomenally supportive throughout the round and afterwards. But it's basically like I, his thing is: I, I hope you can now believe that you're able to do this, and 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 not not kind of sort of wince out. Not that I would do that, but he's sort of like, but that genuinely is your potential now. And you sort of go, well, I still just sitting here going, no, it's not. Like I don't think I could break par again. <laughs> and it's like it's like no, you've literally like you've literally done it. So now the game is right. Go yeah, go yeah. and do it again. Um, but anyway, you, you asked me about, um, what in particular clicked. So the, the biggest thing for me was, was the alignment piece that Dan, that Dan gave me. And I didn't realize how powerful that would be. So the, the way I relate my position address to the flag, um, I really focused on throughout the round and it, it genuinely moved from being inside my left shoulder to feeling way more like it was outside my left shoulder. Um, and and to be honest, what, from, from that, correct. So if I'm so if as I'm you at turn to face looking the left, correct. So mm -hmm. I'm stood I'm stood at a dress, at, at the at a better distance from the ball. I must also say because I think I was getting too far away from the ball. But at a dress, I've I was keeping the flag basically. I'd be open to the flag really in that respect. So if I can see the flag really easily inside my shoulder, I'm really open to that. So I was starting to get the flag feeling like it was almost but. It wasn't behind me, but on top of my left shoulder. Um, and that just allowed me to have, have basically a dispersion where if I hit it dead straight, I'm going to be, be probably just right of the flag. But where my miss has now become a slight pull, I'm, I'm basically pulling it back onto the flag. And if I hit a cut, it's, there's no damage there either. So that was huge. Absolutely massive, I think. It gave me so much confidence stood over any iron shot that, and also the driver, to be honest, um, of what my aiming line was and and um being able to swing freely after that it's an easy thing to change isn't it as well because it's a pre-shot change a setup change so you don't have to add a swing thought or anything it's more like actually this makes me comfortable I, i'm ready to hit yeah. it's a positive yeah. like easy change to make which i like hundred percent um, and, and the last thing i'll say and this wasn't from necessarily the playing lesson this was from the playing lesson telling me to go to the range and then doing some practice <laughs> was i i did change my grip slightly so I got too obsessed with having my thumb on top of the grip because I thought that was where it was supposed to be as opposed to letting it sort of wrap around. So on my left hand, that is, you have your thumb on top of the grip. I was starting to let my left thumb wrap around into my palm of my right hand. And I, it's, I seem to just now just tiny break little thing, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Next stop, PJ Tour or Liv. Yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, live. I, no, I'll, I'll yeah. take the live money. I'll have to go back and delete that live episode. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, okay. I, I will just give a shout out to Dan Lacey, Golf Lessons London on... So it's Golf Lessons London on Instagram. If you are in London, yeah. he does trackman lessons at North Greenwich Driving Range, and he's he's a really top instructor. Uh, made a big he difference can help you in break both part. of our games. <laughs> well, yeah, and take yeah. thirty six shots off your game in two weeks. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. I mean, that could be the strap line to his his Instagram. I, absolutely, he should have that. I don't know if I don't follow I'm not on Instagram anymore, but if he hasn't posted that scorecard as like a, like, here I am, here's what I achieved, then I'll, I'll have to have words with him. <laughs> playing lessons. I don't know if he likes playing lessons though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously exactly, he gets a bit yeah. more cash, but you have to sort of drive somewhere. I think Friday's his day off as well. So but anyway, right. we digress. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're coming not, not far up to time. I'm trying to think if we had anything else to cover under the topic of, not choking during the round of your life. Um, no, like I think we've covered, uh, yeah, genuinely. Uh, the, the other thing I'll say, sorry, on on playing partners because it was it, it, my man Barry was level past stood on the tee at seventeen with me, um, and and made a bad decision by taking taking driver at that point. Which could have been, which could have been great. Like he could have smoked it, and we could have had having a different chat. But bringing in a load of risk, which I chose not to put into my game, because all I wanted to do seventeen is like an absolute nightmare of a hole. It's a proper round record. Risk reward, but short, you, short par, par four, good birdie chance, yeah. but also good double bogey chance. Exactly, and and I don't know why he did it. I really wish I could have taken that out of his hand and given him his three hybrid, and just have him bat it down <laughs> with me and. And now he'd be standing there level par as well. But yeah, so so that's the only other thing is taking taking decision taking, taking easy risk. decisions was yes, out of the because again at that point off, I suppose yeah. I'd take the pressure off and also like I didn't I didn't genuinely believe on seventeen that I was going to, to go birdie on one of those holes. I still thought I was just gonna shoot adjust, gonna try and get to sixty nine. But hey. So this this is interesting, right? Because this is where I think decade can sometimes trip trick you up um, as like an amateur golfer. Mm -hmm. Much more applicable for tour pros for me, even though the stats show that it's applicable for amateurs as well. But decade would say you hit driver on the seventeenth, right? Because there's enough room, there's enough width to justify hitting driver. There's not much to be gained by hitting a shorter three. Would actually brings a bunker into play, but. And that's probably true over a hundred golf shots, but on that one golf shot where you just mm -hmm. have to get it in play, I can totally see why you've been off the stats and the decade and you just go back to kind of old school course management and just get it in play, keep it where you can see it and scramble you know, to that par. A hundred percent. Like you, also, I think the decision is kind of made for you from the follow, you know what the following hole is. So, you know, you have to hit driver on 18 because there genuinely is no, no benefit in hitting a hybrid or a three, which you're just bringing a massive ditch into play. So you're almost like, yeah. I'd, I'd rather try and decision spray made. a drive. Exactly. Whereas, whereas on 17, I, I don't know how decade thinks about trees, for example, because all those little wispy <laughs> yeah. trees down the left can block mm -hmm. you out and you're, that really screws you. So it's it, trees. It would, that would be a factor. That would be the edge. The, that wouldn't count. You, you wouldn't encourage you to go in the trees. 
Um, oh, I see. So, oh, okay. but I still think even right at the trees, there's enough width at the green point. It'd probably be quite tight. I reckon it's mm. probably sixty yards wide. Oh, okay, so and mean. that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not far off um, mm. the level. But Scott yeah. Fawcett maybe would, would rinse me for saying this, but sometimes you just got to remember it's just one shot. It's not a thousand shots in a situation yeah. like that when you'd absolutely murder yourself if you hit it into the tennis courts off that tee. Yeah, we'd be having a very different discussion if I'd followed decade <laughs> and tried to hit driver there. Because, like, and, and also the other thing, the other thing, I think you've, again, really summarized that well. Decade is a system for improving your game over the course of a season and, and a career. Mm-hmm. But it, when you're at the level that we are and you, you're under the pressure that you either can feel or don't feel or whatever, depending on your mental game, you, you can just make your life so much easier by by just, like you say, keeping it in front of you, getting the form, moving on, particularly on huge holes that can rack up huge numbers. It's just not and, not worth it. And maybe, that, maybe the point is, under massive pressure of you being level par, your shot dispersion wouldn't have been your normal shot dispersion. And therefore, maybe Fawcett would be like, well, actually, your, your shot mm. dispersion under pressure is different. You, it's three-wood or, yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that anyway. has to be something that addresses the mental side of it. Has to be. Otherwise, if you don't and take he, the mental he, side into, huge. The, into that calculation. No, and he is huge on, you know, reducing expectations, understanding mm. strokes gained and like, you know, not, not chasing birdies, avoiding bogeys. Um, you need luck to win. Like he, he's great on that stuff as well. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. do you want to wrap us up? Yeah, well, when we start posting some of these clips out on our TikTok, which I'm at the roll up and also on Twitter at, uh, at the roll up golf, uh, we should ask a question. What people think I'm going to, now that I've shot par, uh, below par, what people think I'm going to shoot in my next round. <laughs> so we'll put that, we'll put that up on TikTok and see what people think. So, yep. Those are my handles. Michael, where can, where can our listeners find you? At Michael John Golf, TikTok, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. And also you can subscribe to golfclublist.com and help me test the website when it goes live in the next couple of months, which is going to help you plan your golf trips, make golf membership decisions, etc., etc. Super excited for that. Super excited. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, See everyone else everyone. next time. Thank you. Bye.